Ladies and gentlemen, may we have your attention, please? Some happy songs. Some snappy dances. Costumes and sets. Moose and romances. Ladies and gentlemen, when the hydrolator doors have opened completely, take small children by the hand and watch your step as you board. And please move all the way into the hydrolator to allow room for others. Passengers from hydrolator number two ready for departure to Sea Base Alpha Visitor Center. All conditions read go for departure. The Cosmos, a universe of good and evil, where a small group struggles to bring freedom to the countless worlds of despair. And now, the show that has the whole town cooking. W Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 610. I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you some of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, live video broadcasts on Facebook every Wednesday, videos, blog, books, tours, and more. Whether you're planning your first vacation or are a Disney expert and just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. And if you're a new listener, thank you, welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and find everything else at www.radio.com. In part two of our journey through the music of Future World in Epcot Center, we'll head to the west side of the park and take an in-depth look at the songs, scores, and background music both past and present, from the Imagination Pavilion, the Land, the Living Seas, Interventions, and Communicore, as well as the Fountain of Nations. From shows to attractions, we'll look at what music has come and gone, how it's changed, the songs, singers, songwriters, and stories. I'll then ask you to share some of your favorites as well. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. I'm also going to share information about my brand new book, The Disney Interviews, as well as more information at the end of the show, including your voicemails. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. A very long, circuitous, yet amazing journey from a lawyer in New Jersey to where I am today started back in 2003 with the idea for my first Walt Disney World trivia book, which led to a second, My 102 Ways, moving down to Disney World. You've heard the backstory probably over and over again. Sorry to bore you with it again. But through all that time, through the past 17 years of this incredible adventure, one of my favorite parts of everything I do is meeting people, uh, whether it's meeting you through the show in person, as well as so many people along the way 
who have and continue to inspire and move me and having the opportunity, again, thanks to you, to speak with them one-on-one and interview them and talk to them about their story and share it with you on the podcast has been one of the greatest blessings and benefits of everything that is part of WW Radio. And I always said for everyone that I interviewed that if nobody else even listened, just having the chance to speak to so many of these literal and figurative legends of the Disney movies, television, Imagineering, and theme parks has been beyond anything I ever could have expected when I had this idea for sitting down and writing a trivia book or starting a podcast back in 2005. And because I have been given that gift of being able to capture their stories, it's important for me to be able to share them with you and as many people as possible in whatever way that you are most comfortable consuming it. And that's why I am so excited to announce and release and launch with and for you my next book, which is The Disney Interviews, Volume 1. It's a new way for you to enjoy this collection of one-on-one conversations with Imagineers, artists, actors, magicians, the music makers, and literal mouseketeers who worked for and with Walt Disney and the Walt Disney Company in the creation of the Disney parks, the movies, the television series, or were instrumental in helping to preserve his legacy or history. Walt Disney is quoted as saying that you could design and create and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it takes people to make that dream a reality, and he is obviously 100% correct. And that's why in this book, there are a dozen interviews with Disney legends, including Julie Andrews, Marty Sklar, George McGinnis, the last Imagineer personally hired by Walt Disney, a member of the original Mickey Mouse Club, Lonnie Burr, Alice Davis, who designed the costumes for animated figures and attractions including Small World, Pirate, Carousel of Progress, the founder of the Disney Archives, Dave Smith, Charlie Ridgway, the director of press and publicity for Disneyland and Walt Disney World, Walt Disney's idea man, Al Konetsny, who is an artist and marketing executive, Bill Sully Sullivan tells his story of going from a ticket taker on Disneyland's opening day to operations supervisor and director of Epcot to vice president of Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World. You may or may not know the name Richard M. Sherman. I don't even need to tell you about him and his composition of more than 200 songs for 27 films, television productions, movies, theme parks. Ralph Kent is an artist and marketing genius who created the first Mickey Mouse watch. And Tom Nabby was one of Disneyland's original cast members in the role of Tom Sawyer, worked his way up to becoming manager of the park, Magic Kingdom, and eventually Epcot in Walt Disney World. The book also contains some additional stories and background information that I did not include on the show on how the interviews and conversations came to be, including some stories about what went on before and after the recordings took place. The book is now available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle form. You can learn more and get a direct link to purchase the book by going to DisneyInterviews.com. And if you like the interviews and the book, and I hope that you do, if you could leave a review on Amazon, it's incredibly helpful. So, so very much appreciated. And of course, please help spread the word. Tell a friend anywhere and any way possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you again, not just for the opportunity to interview these true legends, but to share it with you on the show and now in book format. Again, for more information to order your copy, visit DisneyInterviews.com.
We're going to pick up right where we left off last week as we make our way from Future World East to Future World West and make our way through the Imagination Pavilion, the land, the seas, the living seas, Communicore, Interventions, the Fountain of Nations, the attractions past and present, as well as the background music throughout the park. And then we'll conclude by taking an overall look at the genesis of the music throughout the park, where it's been, where it currently is, and some of our favorite tracks throughout the years. Of course, I'm going to ask you to share some of your favorites as well. So now I present to you part two of the music of Future World and Epcot Center. Enjoy. I will, um, I will do you and everybody else a favor, and we will, um, we will make our way to the opposite side of so close, Park. so close. I was really close, and it's funny because I didn't think that that was a song I was going to sing. I thought it was going to be this one because my love of the Sherman Brothers goes so far, so wide, and so deep that when we talk about the Imagination Pavilion, we have to start with Richard and Robert Sherman, who were, as you know, staff songwriters going back to the 60s. I don't need to sort of go through um, their resume from, you know, Mary Poppins, Parent Trap, Sword in the Stone. But I, well, I can't help it because there's so many um, and how much they did in terms of the the parks. But the Sherman, you want to talk about I think one of the the single most important pieces of music in Epcot, I think it's One Little Spark because this song touched not just adults, but more importantly, it touched kids. Uh, And remember, you know, this didn't open with the park, but when it opened in 1983... It gave kids not just a place to go, something with more whimsy, a song that they could remember, a character that they could connect to and buy merchandise for, but the song was, I think, such a huge, you know, hit for Disney fans, you know, across the entire spectrum. It's the it's like the official song of Epcot to me. Well, Period. Figment and the song, um, I think it not only, you know, being so iconic and the official song of Epcot, but really the. I mean, I'm sure there were others, but to me, it's it's like the song in Epcot that was like a lyric, a lyric, a lyrical song created for the space, like not repurposed, no, not orchestral, like it's. It's the lyrical, singable, perfect song that sort of become the song of Epcot. And, you know, like I, like I said before, I mean, if, if nothing else, the Imagineers have shown us that they understand what the, the fan base wants when Epcot, you know, with respect to Epcot and, um, you know, whatever happens to the Imagination Pavilion, you know, I think they've shown us that Figment will always be the staple in, in Epcot. And I think the song goes right along with it. I think the song like- is not just... I would argue that the song is not just the anthem of Epcot. I think it's it, you could say that it, it's an anthem for Walt Disney himself. I was going to say that, man. I will delete yes. what I just said. <laughs> no, it's so you're totally right. It's like I, I what, what I was going to say was I could hear Walt sing this. You can imagine him walking down the street like singing this song. 
Come on, everybody. Let's we go. We all have sparks. Imagination. Yeah. That's how our minds create creation. <laughs> right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Oh, boy. Imagination. Imagination. It's the perfect sequel song to Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. I feel like they complement each other really well because it's all about the idea, the inspiration, where you take this, you know, small idea and what it grows into, where the dream goes. And it's Which inspiring. Is Ep- it's exactly Epcot, right? Walt's little idea for Epcot turns into this thing. Yeah. Right. It's, if it's Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow is the anthem for Magic Kingdom, then One Little Spark is the anthem for Epcot. Yeah, and, and this it may be the is it it may be what one of two songs the like two original ish songs that are that are still around. Mm-hmm. And, and there's actually there's a few different versions of the song. Um, there's an instrumental background version that you can hear outside the pavilion, which is gorgeous. Um, you used to be able to. You used to be able to hear it in the image works inside. I don't think currently it still plays there. No, now um, you hear Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> yeah. Well, without being weird, you can hear it in the bathrooms by well, uh, turning to imagination. That's Lou humming. <laughs> There's a version you can hear in the bathrooms that you can't hear anywhere else. It's super great. <laughs> like, again, <laughs> not to make it weird, but, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you to go bring, like, you know, a recorder into the bathroom, but you can hear it. You can hear it there in the bathroom that you can't find anywhere else. Don't bring a recorder into the bathroom. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't make it weird. No recording in the, the bathroom. Um, but beyond this song itself, I think that the Imagination Pavilion, you know, if you think about the pavilion as a whole and the number of different songs that were created for it and came out of it, we all hear, we all hear Imagination, we think one little spark, Lest we forget Magic Journeys, Captain EO, and Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And you're like, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience? There's no song for that. I I hear it every week. Yeah, there is, and it's fantastic. How does it go? It's the entrance loop. Like, it's... Everybody, if if you don't think you know it, Google it, you know it. It is the entrance loop. Yeah, it is. More importantly, do you remember? Do you remember the pre-show? What song played in the pre-show? For Zach Brown, you know exactly where I'm going. Of course he does. Only if Jason will sing it. Cindy Lauper's "True Colors." That song brings me down. Are you sure that's the right song? So "True Colors" was. That I'll sing. That. I, True Colors I'll made sing me that. cry. It <laughs> was a pre-show. It was a, a pre-show song that was created um, because, remember, the sponsor at the time was Kodak. So uh-huh. True Colors made uh-huh. perfect sense. But the song I actually, heard Lou say. the original song True Colors was not written for the pavilion. Uh, the songwriter, Billy Steinberg, wrote the song about his mom. And... Do you know who he originally wanted to sing True Colors? Cindy Lauper? Rick Moranis? Nope. Anne Murray. Oh. Which 
all of you are like, who's Anne Murray? No, I know Anne Murray, but it would be much, it would be very different, just very smooth, kind of AM. Well, nothing says like an exciting 3D show like True Colors. I mean, just brings the whole thing down. It, it, look, I, I mean, I get why the, if you, if you dissect it and just look at the lyrics, like it's perfect for Kodak, right? Remember Kodak? Way back when, yeah, yeah, that a way to adapt. Guys, that don't way be to... afraid to let it show. <laughs> yeah, your true color. That's a, uh, that that's a way to adapt to a changing to a changing world, Kodak. But yeah, it, it ended up being obviously a, a Cindy Lauper song um, that was the title track good, from good her second album. And it's actually Cindy Lauper actually adopted True Colors. She created something called the True Colors Fund, which was a, a nonprofit dedicated to getting rid of LGB, LGBTQ homelessness. So it had it had a lot of meaning and, and obviously life beyond Epcot Center. But it was the pre-show for what, oh, so da- top 10 bizarre things to ever happen in Walt Disney World, Magic Journeys, I'm staring you straight in the face. Uh, have you ever seen it? Magic Journeys? Ha- Magic Journeys? Yes. Have you but ever heard? Her- Go ahead. Have you ever have you ever heard the song Magic Journeys? Of course. Yes. Yes. Of course I have. Just an ordinary day all at once you're on your way to a place that cannot be. No one knows what turns the key. Thousand eyes, whirling images arise. For a moment, they are clear. In a flash, they disappear. Wonderfully creepy. It's it's not. It's, I mean, it's. I dig It's that not song. so much the song that's too. creepy as the, the the background sounds that are a little. Well, the creepy. film itself, it it's really hard to describe if you've never seen it before. Like, there's. A, Horses and a carousel and this weird well, trick or treat chant and the witch like dream, and the though. clowns. Like, come on, man! It's nightmare fuel. It was it's a, a fever dream. <laughs> it was a yeah. very yeah. psychedelic uh, '80s trippy show. I saw it when it was playing in Fantasyland, and that that'll scar a little kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I I don't know. The the film itself was, (laughs) the film itself was was bizarre. However, the the pre-show, which was anchored by another Sherman Brothers song, Making Memories, was like it was worth going just for the pre-show and then ditching (laughs) ditching the the film itself. That's all for me, guys. Thanks. Long before. The old Model T, round about the turn of the century, folks discovered a barrel of fun, taking pictures by the light of the sun, smile, hug, look at the camera. Making memories, same thing, uh, very much written for the, uh, the, the, the sponsor of Kodak in terms of 
catching these little pieces of time, making them yours, and then sort of thinking about um, and evoking this feeling of nostalgia and the past, um, which you can capture on Kodak film, or at least you could for a number of years. Uh, I don't think this is one necessarily that people put on the top of their Epcot Center song list, but I do think in typical Sherman Brothers fashion, it was... Once you hear it, it sort of gets stuck in your head and is an incredibly memorable song. Agree. Sing it. I'm not singing Long it. Long before the old Model T, round about the turn of the century. Come on. What's wrong with you people? I'm not going to do it. We need you to just sing it because we're not sure how it goes. Yeah. Can you remind me again? Tell us how it goes. It's fine. Just hum a little ditty. You know what? It's fine. The look, I, I think the um, I think the pre-show song was probably the best part of Magic Journeys, which and I think you can still, I think you can still hear the Making Memory song in the exterior background loop of Imagination. It the, a, like a version fountains. of it might still be there. Or maybe it's only in the restroom. It might only be in the restroom. Okay. <laughs> you laugh as if I'm making it up, but it's true. making it weird. <laughs> Is this a different restroom than the other restroom? Because I want to make sure I get by when I'm doing the whatever you know, the, after the show. He wants research. to make sure that he only has to go to one restroom. <laughs> like, if you can only visit one restroom, you're going to want to go to the Imagination Pavilion. <laughs> All right, let's move on from the Sherman Brothers and Cindy Lauper and Making Memories and Kodak to one of the most, well, without a doubt, the most expensive, we'll call it a music video ever made for a theme park attraction. And Mama Say, Mama Sa, Mama Makusa, Michael Jackson and Captain EO, I am looking at you. Um, Supposedly, this cost anywhere from like twenty to thirty million dollars to make. Um, specifically, and that was for, just on costumes. That was that. Well, I think it was on costumes, and it might have been. Well, I was going to say I think it was on costumes and you know producer director um, because Michael Jackson he wanted um, he wanted those guys to be the producer. He wanted you know George Lucas to have a hand in it. What I bet you didn't know. Here's a here's a trivia question for you. Who was originally cast as the supreme leader? What incredibly remember the supreme leader was meant to be a very scary, very uh, intimidating character. Um, you know the the villain here. Who was originally cast as the supreme leader? Stop Andre Googling. the Giant. No, what? No. We're circling back to Cindy Lauper. It is not. <laughs> That's right. Oh, what was the I'm going to give you a hint. It was Shelley Duvall. What? From The Shining. Oh, what what's, what really? a fantastic hint. Right. She was supposed to <laughs> um she was supposed to be this incredibly scary character and Michael Jackson was not a big fan of her in this role and when she first came in remember she had this um this borg like you know headdress and appendage put on her when she first came in they had to cast 
the special effects team had to cast her torso in order to create the prosthetics. She's and so she small. was she was so freaked out and claustrophobic that she bowed out. Well, didn't she play yeah. olive oil too? She, she was olive oil. Yeah, I mean, like she can't be the supreme. You can't be olive oil and the supreme leader. That's okay because she wasn't. <laughs> so <laughs> we got the relative, relatively unknown at the time, Angelica Houston, who was not a, yeah, a, a star as as big. As she I was, was hard pressed to think of something she had done before that. Yeah, there wasn't a lot. She hadn't done a lot before that. Um, and even before we get into the Michael Jackson songs, do you know who composed the score? Without Captain looking it up? Without looking it James up. James Horner? No. Yes! Zach who? Brown, give that kid a dollar. What did he say? I missed it because I was speaking over him. James Horner. Really? Really. James Horner of Titanic? That fame? James Horner. Really? Yep. Epcot Center is this wonderful melting pot of some of the most talented musicians ever. James like, Horner? Learning so much. The same, I don't think you're, I think it's a different James Horner. He have a... Oh, I'm sorry, it was Bob Horner. Completely different. <laughs> <laughs> His cousin Bob Horner. They Little got him Jack at a discount. Horner. Jack Horner. <laughs> um, but obviously, uh, Captain EO is, from a musical perspective, forget just from a, a filmmaking perspective there were two songs two michael jackson songs that appeared in the film which was an an early version of what would eventually be the the final version of another part of me which ended up being remixed for his bad album um in 1988 and then we are here to change the world um what it ended up being released like many many years later like 2004 2005 was when they finally released um that song but another part of me and, and we are here to change the world were the sort of the two big songs from captain eo i i'm assuming that you've either seen it heard it looked it up or familiar with michael jackson Yes, and yes, but also because I looked some stuff up because I needed to fact check your James Horner thing, I learned that it was so it was written by it was written by George Lucas. So you were right about that. But <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola Yeah directed Francis Ford Coppola. What did I say? I don't know. You said Lucas of it. Didn't I say Lucas and Coppola? I mean still like Yeah, that's what I mean. As far as the cast and crew went, it was stacked. Yeah. Listen, the command considers us a bunch of losers. But we're going to do it right this time because we're the best. We don't. We'll be drummed out of the core. I mean, that's crazy. And you had Muppets. <laughs> I, I mean, and but saying that it really was, because look, I mean, you know, much like the original unedited version of Thriller, I mean, this was, uh, it was like 17 or so minutes. It was like a million, it was more than a million dollars a minute to create huh. this show that would only be shown in the Disney theme parks. Have you not done an episode just on this attraction? That's I what believe I that I have. And do you remember when they reopened it? Do you remember when they reopened it um, in 2010 after Michael Jackson passed mm -hmm. away? Mm -hmm. And then they ran it for about five years or so. I remember to this day um, being invited to go and see the, the first run of it. Um, and... 
taking it in from a loss of Michael Jackson. I have I I loved Michael Jackson's music. I grew up with it. I, I cried when I heard the news of his passing. And I was not the only one because there were people walking out of Captain EO. Some of them were crying because of the Michael Jackson and, and the, the rounds of applause that were in the theater. And then some other people were like, I'm not sure this actually holds up as well as I remember it, um, you know, when it first came out in 86. The cinematographer, uh, Vittorio Storaro, he also worked on Apocalypse Now and the Last Emperor. This is crazy. Like, I feel like they need to bring it back just because you should watch it again. There's a lot of cool people involved in I, right. Well, yeah, but you I want to feel I have to have the 4D version of it though. I need to and I have to get my family to like rub like rumble my chair or something. <laughs> like sense around. Remember sense around yeah. theaters? Yeah. Um so again, thoughts on on Captain EO, another part of me, we are here to change the world both in in the context of Epcot Center or even just, you know, these are two songs that you know, were able to sort of make their way out of the the Disney theme parks and into, you know, popular music. Well, I will see your Captain EO, EO and I will raise you Piper. Because in that theater now, you have the Pixar shorts that are playing. Well, not just all, not just Pixar. There's a couple of Disney Studios shorts in there. But the music on with those are really fantastic, too. And Piper, if you don't cry when you watch Piper, you're dead inside. This is Jason's way of telling you he's done talking about Captain EO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally Jason moving on with Captain EO. I'm so <laughs> because I don't I think like, I'm not a I like I love Michael Jackson, Captain EO. That I like that like I remember so the first time I saw it, Captain EO was was big and bold and crazy and fun, right? And then the second time I saw it when it was on that the post Michael the post Michael Jackson uh, passing away run. I, I I was like, eh. I mean, look, and but I didn't appreciate EO, all the other stuff that I just learned from you. Right, and, and Captain <laughs> EO, other outside of Walt Disney World, did not have obviously as long a run. I mean, it did it did run in other the other Disney parks around the world. Usually for I don't think any ran over a year. This really was sort of where where this this sort of called home it did play in disneyland too but again still not not the same way as it was here. where did it play in disneyland in disneyland in <laughs> tomorrowland in the theater that place oh like where they had the avengers stuff probably maybe did it was the one with the big screen and all the seats oh and the other <laughs> <laughs> was it i wish DCA? you could see jason's face I, all right let, guy, let's move on. Uh, you clearly want to move on from. You want to move on from Captain EO. Uh, any other thoughts about the picture our shorts and the mu- mu- the music therein? Yes, because I think that people people blow by it and they they don't think about going in there right now. And you need to go in there. You have to. It's the, the the feast. What's the other? The uh, the feast is the I think the final one that they show. Get a horse. I, get a horse on the mouth. That's so good. But the um. Piper and the feast, they're so emotional and uh anyway, they show have, bow. I no, do they like show, bow. They don't do they don't show bow, I don't think. So what bow. is it about the music of Piper that you feel warrants it being on a must listen to list? Because it's it's you have this um the music follows the emotion of the the baby bird, 
Like, so you get this, like, you know, this like fun, loving, like excited kind of moment. And, and there's curiosity has this, and, and, and even um, when it thinks it's going to be fed by the mom, like I got, you know, it opens its mouth. It's really, and, and then it doesn't get it. It, the music follows so perfectly and when it's scared of the ocean tumbling it over and I don't want to give any too many spoilers here because it's a short <laughs> and it's really easy to do but the like the music just follows so closely so closely tied with the emotional experience of Piper and so and it's simple and it's just it's beautiful it's beautifully done um have you seen it I feel like you haven't seen it I've I haven't seen it in age I think I've admittedly I think I've only been to the Pixar shorts once see that's that's what happens and I you it it really should it's a you need to do it again you need to do it because also if you don't if you don't tear up a little bit during the feast mm, something's wrong you need to question you need to question yourself because I when here's the problem when I watch the feast again another beautifully done uh that's that's a Disney Disney Studios um, animated short. When I watch the feast, the music is a big part of the story as well in terms of taking you on this journey, this um, this very emotional, kind of heavy uh, journey. That this that this I don't know, I don't know whether the protagonist would be considered the the guy or the or his dog. I guess the dog would be the protagonist, but the guys it's his emotional journey. Um, and the, the music follows really closely and it leaves me kind of tearing up at the end. I mean, it's a happy ending, so don't worry about that. But, but, but when it's over and the lights come up, I'm kind of, I'm a little startled. Like guys, give me a moment here. Thank goodness. I'm still wearing 3d glasses because that way people can't see the, like the water building up. Um, well, I feel like you guys, Zach and Lisa, you need to go in there. Did you, this is not just a drive by yeah. pavilion. <laughs> it's not. I think, well, you know what, Jason, I, there's something I want you to do. There's something I want you to do for me. I'm not going to the bathroom. Or no, 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 no. Just, just make believe you're a tiny little seed, a tiny little seed that's reaching up to meet your need with the right amount of faith and the right amount of earth. You'll grow to see the sunshine on your day of birth. Sing it with me, people. Let's listen to the yeah, land we well, all love. Yeah, yeah. we'll go on over to Zach's favorite pavilion. Oh, tonight. come on, man. If you don't love the 80s, like the embodiment of the 80s that is in the Listen to the Land song. Just make believe you're a tiny little seed. A tiny little seed that's reaching up to meet your need. With the right amount of faith and the right amount of earth, and you'll grow to see the sunshine on your day of birth. Let's listen to the land we all love. Nature's plan will shine above. Listen to the land. Then, man, there's something wrong with you. Oh, by the way, Bob Moline, thank you once again. Zach Brown, I saw you literally gyrating over there. When I almost started, not because I was singing, but because I think you dig the original Ride in the Pavilion, Listen to the Land. And do it's such a great, fun song. It's kind of like a Glenn Campbell song. You know, it's just, it's American. It's it's a very um, hard right turn from everything that we've had already in our Epcot journey. It's definitely a song of the earth. 
and that's no pun intended. It is just, it's acoustic guitar. It is much more tangible and less ethereal than everything else. And this is way too much in depth and all waxy poetic than anybody ever cares to listen to. No, wax poetic, Ben. That's that's why but, I brought you here. But that's the thing. It, it, it has a, you know, it has a, a country feel, a farm feel that everything else is super spacey and, and, and just heady type of music where this is just good down home picking and grinning. I um I love this song, man. And when it comes on, or even when it doesn't come on, when we're done here, I am just gonna have this incredible explosion of you know lyrics coming out of my. Again, it's it's that simple, sincere, singable song. And you're right, it's it 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 is a Bob Moline. It is a it's a it's a perfect example of one of the a Bob Moline song. And I was very sad to it. see this go. Pretty sure there's pan flute in there too. That's the new one. Are you sure? I don't know. I could be wrong. I like the version with the pan flute. Well, it's like Africa by Toto. But if you think about it, right? If you think about even currently the land as a whole, I really want you to pay attention. Look even to the background music, uh, both inside and outside the pavilion. The it I don't is feel like the current doesn't stand out as much as the it do. doesn't. But, well, because outside is also very different than inside. But especially if you listen to the inside, one, you're going to hear a lot of very familiar songs from movies, but they are all, for the most part, the underlying scores for the pavilion are created using natural instruments, meaning there's a lot of natural woodwinds and natural strings that I think are reflective of the pavilion itself and there's actually some there's beautiful songs that you'll hear anywhere inside is farewell neverland it's a john williams song from hook oh yeah Yeah, james newton howard listen it wasn't the greatest movie in the world but Waterworld has a beautiful score to it (laughs) don't laugh at Waterworld. there's also music from uh, pearl harbor by hans zimmer Another John Williams song from E.T. Danny Elfman has Will Hunting from Goodwill Hunting. Another James Newton Howard from Dave called The Tunnel. And uh, there's John Barry from Out of Africa, The Horse Whisperer. So all these songs that very much fit in with the, the theme and the message of that pavilion, you can hear inside. And what I like about these two is that they are... There are ones that will catch your ear and you'll almost see somebody like stop and like, oh, I know that song. I catch myself now hearing the song. Like if I watch any of these movies, hearing the score and I go, oh, it's Epcot instead of the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Because that's that's sort of where they become recognizable for. And if you do listen to the outside, the style is different. But I don't think that the outside background music of the land has changed much, if at all, since 1982. Uh, it's remained pretty consistent, unlike a lot of the other pavilions we've been talking about that have had new songs uh, coming in and out in terms of the, the BGM the for sound, the, like yeah. The, the, the Yeah, right. Yeah. And they shouldn't ever change it ever. Let's move back inside for a second um, <laughs> okay. to Soren. Like we, there's no way we could not mention Soren. And I see eyes widen and smiles coming across the faces as you think about Jerry Goldsmith's. Uh, incredible score 
incredible and an incredibly emotional score as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, I am oh. a little partial to the original <laughs> Soren, Soren over California, and and the music is it's I know it's similar, but it's different. It's it's significant. I think it's significantly different between the two. But so set aside the soundtrack piece itself, the the pre-show music and the post-show music is actually some of my favorite mm-hmm. associated with Soren. Like the 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 pre-show Soren music, I sometimes I, I I desire for them to take a little extra time. You know, they have to check the seatbelts multiple times. Some people like then they have to check the entire row when one person screws it up or something. And I kind of like that to last a long time because you get that extra bit of time with the pre-show music, and it's this like this dreamy, softer version of a, what's already like special and magical and beautiful. Uh, uh, composed me. I like. I just love it. I love it. I miss it. Oh, I, I mean, the pre-show music's still there, but the, the actual story music. Lisa, Zach. So uh, the music is. It's the. I mean, it's my ringtone on my phone. <laughs> um, I mean, it's. You almost hate to love it as much as you do because you want to like grip onto the nuanced stuff and like the things that are a little bit less known and but it's 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 just so perfect and so beautiful and so like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go there again when we talk about illuminations in the next phase of this glorious discussion but like it's it's just perfection you know and it's 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 just this sore use the word soaring it's this it's this soaring like glorious just perfect piece of music um and it it, it is it, just, it it has just become one of the icons of, of disney but without a doubt like baroque hoedown and soren are my two ringtones and that that in itself should speak volumes about how iconic that song has become i will argue that soren isn't soren soren is not the popular attraction that it is it is not as emotionally impactful without this music course not absolutely. oh yeah absolutely. It, it, it's, it's all the music but the music doesn't like hit um it evokes like the feeling when it begins that the, you know and then you kind of you kind of drift through the into the clouds and then you start to see the scene it feels to me i don't know if this is crazy maybe it's just associated like in my memory but it feels like the music should be associated with California, with Northern California, like that whole feel, the fog and the aroma. It's funny of, that it's soaring over of, California. So <laughs> well, I'm just, I know, but like if you've ever stood like in the Presidio at the Walt Disney Family Museum and experienced like fo- the, the, the feeling of like cold fog rolling past you as you also smell eucalyptus and they, that's the smell associated with the song. Like it's just, in, it's so perfect for that setting. It is the audio version of flight. It just, it lifts. It has, so as a musician, I just, I, I, it's like, I see it kind of like Fantasia, you know, it notes lift and it hits bright, soft moments and very powerful moments when it's, it's driving. It's a very visual instrumental, if that makes any sense at all. Um, it is easily my favorite of the new classics. I, I would venture to call it. Um, I agree. Like, like Lisa says, like Broco down Soren, these are, you can't touch these songs. Um, in the story of um, Jerry Goldsmith, did I get that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That when he 
got to ride the attraction for the first time while listening to his score that he, when he returned down, he was in tears and told them had he had known what this project would have been when it came together, he would have done it for free. That it was that impactful to him. Now I'm sure once he saw all the zeros that were attached to the check, he would say, yeah, right. I was going to say, I would ride it for free. (laughs) But it's an incredible attraction um, that I think without that song it w- wouldn't do it justice and look while the majestic track yeah and while the the 2016 broughton version um i think many probably in this room feel it does not have the same gravitas as as the goldsmith's version it should be noted like he did he did base it on that original score i think to sort of not only pay tribute to it but to base it on something that obviously needs to be continually connected to that uh, attraction and look I I think for a lot of people you know we're we're talking a lot about Broughton's work in the parks a lot of people feel that that this current version of the Soren score is some of Broughton's best be careful I'm just (laughs) listen I don't make the news I just report it so I'm not, it's, it's not to take anything away from the Goldsmith version, but Broughton, you know, comparing Broughton to Broughton, a lot of people like what I, okay, Broughton but did when with Broughton, this. When Broughton uh, rescored uh, Spaceship Earth's theme, like that's a completely different, mm-hmm. it just sounds different and it's beautiful and it's, and, and I love it. I love it. With Soaring Around the World, I kind of wish they actually would have just given us a brand new score like completely instead of this you, almost, you would have lost your mind as what i had i was gonna say there would be outrage but it feels my sort of, my biggest fear in getting on it for the first time was that the song would be different and i was yeah, so but it's sort of so derivative of it and i just don't think no, i don't no, know it's, it's fine it's Look, just if you're gonna like talk about this pavilion hollow. and you know before versus after uh for me the the biggest travesty is not the score changing it's listening to the land versus living with the land um that that bob moline song and the chorus not just in terms of what it means in terms of how the lyrics sort of describe this symbiotic relationship that that we have with the earth but i just think in terms of it being it feels more epcot to me i was like I did, I was sad when that song left. I was also sad when we lost the the human narrator as opposed to to the recorded narration. But you know, things things do change. Um, I was going to say, like those two changes in my mind go together, like the loss of the live cast member experience. Um, it's hard to it's hard to separate the show. I remember when that change happened that I was I thought something was wrong. Like maybe they just didn't have the cast member that day or something, or they didn't like I did I thought it was kind of a, it was weird. Whoever feels most qualified to give this tour, go ahead and stand up. Where's the person? Where's um listen, I think before you know, before we before we exit the land, uh, I think we have to just as long and as long as we're staying um, looking back in time, I think we would we would be remiss if we did not talk about the decade long fun foodie festivity that was and shall always be the Kitchen Cabaret. We'd like to sing about a brand 
Which all of you have probably never seen before. The Kitchen Cabaret was like so, you know, quintessential 1982. And this is one, too, that I think Imagine's like, look, we need something. We've got all these sort of very, not heavy-handed, but these very sort of edutainment, educational-based attractions we need something that's a little bit lighter really going to appeal to the kids what we need is some talking food he won't forget the licking he got from that big chicken now he gets his poultry from the store by the way and some some fun melodies to go with it so we'll get bonnie appetit in here we'll have the kitchen crack pots leave this musical review and chase those mealtime blues away because that's clearly what every kid was feeling when they went to Epcot. It really spoke to children uh, with the Cereal Sisters and the Boogie Woogie Bakery Boys um, and that iconic uh, duo Ham and Eggs. Yeah, it was like Epcot's version of Baby. And it was like 50s prime time and like Epcot had a baby. But... (laughs) But I'm also sad for all of the other food groups because I I had literally like completely like locked from my memory like the fact that like the grains and the dairy and like all had their bit because veggie veggie fruit fruit was like all that I remembered and I was bopping around my house to veggie veggie fruit fruit today. So How could you it, not? It's like it stands. It stands as a danceable beat. <laughs> the other one's not so much, so I can kind of see why the majority fruit fruit survived. <laughs> I mean, it, I think it was meant to be sort of the, you know, the representative song from that um, that attraction. And again, we're we really should have sort of a a tally board to see how many times we name some of these different composers it's Buddy Baker you know it's another Buddy Baker song which I think it it has that infectious quality to it however um, it eventually goes away and is replaced do you remember Food Rocks Hello Epcot Center and welcome to the All Star Benefit for Good Nutrition Put your hands together for the utensils. When you cook it with us, there's so much you can do. Which, Barely. right. <laughs> well, yeah, because they decided to take a very different um, approach as opposed to coming up with unique characters and unique songs. They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to, we really know what kids want. We're gonna we're gonna do like a Weird Al parody of all these really popular for the time, which unfortunately locks an attraction like this into a very specific time frame. And you have all these parodies of rock and pop songs. I mean, it was uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, man. Yeah, it was bad though, right? Like it was like it wasn't it wasn't even Weird Al level. It was. Um, I know. I, I only experienced it one time because I think it was. It literally was. 
maybe it was there the second time I visited, but I did. I mean, I, as an adult, the second time I visited because it started. What was it? Nineteen ninety-four, early nineties. Okay, so 94. so it would have been there when I honeymooned. That's probably when I made the mistake of seeing it, and then very romantic. And then <laughs> I was like, "What? What is this? I can't wait for Soren." I'm sure that's what I was thinking. And then um, I don't think I ever went to it. I never saw it again. Sort of like you with with uh, the Pixar shorts, Lou. It's probably like that. Well, and this, there were it was you not never one, saw it, did you? not two, <laughs> not three. There were twelve different songs in here. Like this was a very like they wanted to really keep you in your seat, and I think that they thought they because what they figured was, listen, we're gonna we're going to parody performers and groups that run a very wide spectrum of years, like from the 50s to the, the mid-90s. I want to just quickly go through, <clears throat> excuse me, the song list. Um, the first act one was, we're going to make it count in the kitchen, which was a parody of Bohemian Rhapsody. You feel free to sing along whenever I hit one that you like. The next song was Good Nutrition by the Peach Boys, sung to the tune of Good Vibrations. Good, good, good nutrition. It just rolls off the tongue. The refrigerator police sang every bite you take. Every fried condition, like a secret wish, is a part of you. We must I was a big police fan. Yeah. Pita, P-I-T-A, Gabriel, sang High Fiber, (laughs) sang about High Fiber to the turn of Sledgehammer. It's really sacrilege. I mean, this is It gets better. Wait, there's more. Because Fud Rapper, (laughs) F-U with the umlaut D, Rapper, sang Always Read the Rapper. Remember, this is when they had to start putting nutritional information on labels remember when there used to be like nothing like nobody cared what calories or sugar and all that stuff was this is when labels started to get put on food so what was the song what was it was sung to funky cold medina by tone loke oh come on and tone loke you don't know this song no i know the oh. song i can't imagine it being like a felt food though funky cold medina like seriously it was a food wrapper Get it? it wasn't rapper. a rapper, though, really. I, oh, wasn't. God, I almost sang it. Always oh, read the rapper. The rapper, like, W-R-A-P-P-E-R. W-R-A-P-P. And he, wasn't he like the... He was like the, the host of the whole thing. So you had a lot of Tomoke. Yeah. You're high Like, like 12. Because, How do you know this, Zach? <laughs> he watches lots of YouTube. Oh, we loved this attraction. It was a hit with my siblings and I. It really was our uh, our sweet spot. Leave me alone. Your parents just told you, just stay in there. Just keep watching. Lock them in the food. Uh, now, now, I will say the, the benefit of this whole thing is now I have appreciation for Peter Gabriel, the police. Now you... Wait, wait, no, 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 wait, no, 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 no. Wait, it, it started there, and then I went, what are these songs? And now I found the real the good versions. If it, took food it was educational. To get you to Peter Gabriel, we got it. No, no, no. It gets talk. better. Because Zach also fell in love with Cher, because the song Just Keep It Lean, sung by the soul, S-O-L-E, of rock and roll, 
was a parody of the Shoot Shoot song. A package on the table. Before you rip, have a bag or sip. Check the contents on the label. A list to fill you in. A formula for feeding. In plain sight, it's in black and white. And it's fascinating reading. You got the information. Before you pull the cap or to the back apart, you gotta play it smart. You gotta read the rapper. Oh, it's it. Do I? I'm adding to your playlist oh, minute by minute. You want to know? Tutti Fruity by Little Richard was a cover of Tutti Fruity. <laughs> That's cool. <It's> original. <laughs> Neil Musaka, who doesn't no. love a good Musaka, sang <laughs> "Vegetables Are Good for You" to the Sadaka? town to the tune of Neil Sadaka's "Break It Up Is Hard." Come on, this is comedy gold oh. right here. I gotta, I gotta look, I gotta look. See, this is how the pitch meeting went. Is this guy just <laughs> chucking out ideas and everybody's like, no, please go home. And listen, we all know the twist by Chubby Checker. Come on, baby, let's do the twist. Well, Chubby Cheddar, which was my nickname last week, sang about exercise. There was one original song written for the attraction called Give Us Junk by The Excess. To exercise Get a load of Mr. Exercise We never worried about being healthy And look at us Yeah (laughs) People want to eat too much Exercise too little And we love it Eat on You guys just don't get it Do you? Listen, we'll tell you what's real. Yeah! The Get the Point Sisters sang just a little bit, which is a parody of respect. I'm not making this up. Jason's going to fall off his chair. I'm reading it all right now. And then pretty much the whole cast got together for the, the grand finale Choose before you chew. Again, a a Bohemian Rhapsody parody. But that wasn't the first. Wait, I want you to just. Song I want to let wait, all wait, wait, wait. that. It was. it was a callback. The yeah. first song was a Bohemian Rhapsody parody. They brought it back. That wasn't called. That wasn't. That wasn't choose before you chew. That was it. Moderation. Harmony, guys. Harmony. No, we'll make it count in the kitchen. So you sing the song? Says the song. By Queen, yeah. So By basically Queen. the first part was the Wayne's World headbanging part. 
And then the last part was the nothing really matters part. Okay. I would but, hear good nutrition to the tune of good vibrations. Yeah, I can I can kind of make that out. But just yeah. so you know, these are the ones that they went with. Do you want <laughs> to know. know the ones that they passed on? I do. Is that a list? Please tell me. Wait. There was an Elvis Presley parody who was going to be sung by, wait for it, dramatic pause, Elvis Parsley. There you go. And Tina Turner was going to be parodied by Tina Tuna. I was hoping you were going to say Turnip. It was like, come on, Tuna. Come on, Tuna. (laughs) Now I was voting for Tina Turnip. And they were going to have a, a band be like the villain, like the bad candy and bad sweets. And the band that they really were going to have do it. Hot chocolate. Was going to be Kiss. What? Like Gene Simmons, like that but Kiss. Not, but as but vegetable? Like, and so they, they made up this fake group called The Excess instead. Wow. Yeah. Kiss wanted too much money. <laughs> no, they probably saw the rest of this stuff and they were like, no, thanks. <laughs> So this is what the the Good Nutrition Benefit concert looked like. I gotta find this on YouTube because I don't remember any. Just don't watch. Yeah, it's um, it's nightmare fuel. It's listen, not everything. Not everything is the theme from Soren. Just saying. So, (laughs) (laughs) and look where we just came from. Yeah. How do we? I mean, maybe we shouldn't go backwards. (laughs) It was um. And if you if you remember when you walked in, it was the the marquee made it look like this, like small town, um, little movie theater with all these little popcorn lights and food rocks and all these like, um, do you know how inside the when you get on sort of the the queue for the living with the land. There's all these inspirational messages. Well, inside the Food Rocks holding area, they had all of these um, educational, like graffiti type messages. Like this is like beer was invented in 3000 BC, and you know the Chinese wore helmets because they would use them to cook and not just protect their heads. Very inspirational. So you can <laughs> learn. <laughs> The more do I you know, kids. do you know and bugles are shaped like helmets? Do you know and you can put them on your fingers? <laughs> who cereal is named after? Are you asking me? Or I'm asking all you? of you. If you would have attended Food Rocks, you would have known that it's the Roman God Ceres, C E R E S, because oh. she watched over ancient women who planted and harvested all the grain, which we now use to make. Cereal. iPhones. So when I talk to my iPhone, I'm talking to the god of cereal. No, saying. not that cereal. That's what you're saying. Whatever. So when I let my children eat Lucky Charms for breakfast, I'm actually honoring ancient. The god of yes. yes. Do you know why? Here, let me speak to something in, in all of your wheelhouses. Do you know why there's a stalk of celery inside a Bloody Mary, like stuck into a Bloody Mary? make you feel healthy when you eat it nope drink it's it. the crunch nope because it soaks up the goodness because the ancient romans used to think that celery was a hangover cure okay and so they've kept it it obviously is not um but yeah there you go if you eat enough celery instead of drinking the bloody mary you, <laughs> <laughs> it's really a good thing 
<laughs> you uh, you really should go and I, I, I think you need Mary to go and watch. Rock. Yeah, you should probably have a Bloody Mary before you. One, not oh, you kids, but the, before you watch Food the Rocks, where they have the, they give you like the chicken nuggets on the thing. <laughs> before you get to Canada. <laughs> All right, look, let's 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 quickly make our way because we're 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 way way off course and way behind schedule wise. Let's walk. Let's let's make our way over. Let's meander our way to the Seas Pavilion, mm-hmm. and we can sort of look at the current version of the Seas, obviously um, inspired by and taking musical cues from Finding Nemo, not the movie, but the musical. And I will tell you, personal story. In the big blue world, if I hear it right now, I will burst into tears because my son, lo- oh my, my son as a baby loved that song. And I will tell you the first, I've never did it before. I have never done it since. The first time I watched Finding Nemo the musical, I walked out and I bought the CD from the little merchandise kiosk because I loved it. And I used to play that and that CD still hangs in my son's room on his wall. My hand to God, we played it for him every night before he went to sleep. And I love, loved, loved um, um, this song. Can you believe there are so many things after we're done? Is the record um, button's over. My favorite part about the, the music and the sound, actually maybe even of the entire attraction of uh, Seas with Nemo and Friends, is the cue. Like, I love it. I tell people to walk past me, which is weird. It's awkward now, you know, but I tell, like, just just let me, because I, I just want to be in the space. You know, the story that's told, even just as you enter, you know, from the beach, then down into the ocean, and, and that's, and the, there's that just really gentle ambient music and the sounds of the shore and then the under the water and I could spend hours just standing in that space. I love it. It's so tranquil. It's um, it. the area music. I, I agree. The music outside is equally as good, if not better, than the music inside. It, it's all Russell Brower music. Um, all here out is mine. Mine? Yeah. <laughs> mine? Mine? And the kids laughing and saying mine and the water splashing up and getting people wet. I don't know that I... I, I can't say that I actually could... Um, can hear but that music. It's inside, is, it's very hard to hear it because of, really? of the acoustics inside the pavilion. If it's crowded, if yeah. it's crowded inside, yes. Um, oh, you know where else you can hear? I don't know if it's the same music or if it's... Maybe just similar, but in if you're if you're in the lobby of the Coral Reef restaurant, hmm. in the in the waiting, I know none of you have eaten at the Coral Reef restaurant since 1987, but it's no, still there. Until recently, I, I have, but maybe Jason should take us. We should go again. <gasps> Wait a research trip. Why don't we do? Why don't I just we do went. a live dining review there? Yes, and Jason yeah. can pay the shrimp and grits in the. Yes. I like every oh, part why, of that sentence. Why do I, just because I brought it up doesn't mean I should have to pay. Well, it does in my book. 
Hey, but as long as we can sit down rolls, by the we window, win. we sit down. You either get one of those booths up high, or you sit down by the window, and then you, and then you go at lunch when they're feeding the fish. The dude swims by, and the scuba guy. Swim. Anyway, you can hear the music. My point is, you can hear the music. I think in that that little ambient music in the in the lobby area where you're waiting, and it's super, super peaceful. Anyway, I love that. I love that spot. But the entire attraction's really nice. Well, even the uh, even the music before it was the seas with Nemo when it was just the living, the living seas. seas. Yeah. Um, you you probably don't remember the pre-show music. You you remember and it rained and it rained <laughs> the deluge, but you probably don't remember rain upon that planet Earth, and they rain. And rain. And rain. The deluge. But that same type of very um, serene, peaceful, calming music that was there. Lots of whale sounds. Lots of whale sounds. Right, you right. There were lots of whales and almost like it was like finding Dory. They could bring yeah. they could bring the same soundtrack back basically. <laughs> theme it as finding Dory. Um but you know, I, I mentioned Russell Brower who had done a lot of the the, the pre the pre living the, the pre finding Nemo music had done a lot of the the uh the outside and if you find the the early outside loop, I believe that's all him he'll actually help us transition over to interventions where it, the music real, there has changed a lot it has I mean, a lot was, it has it has right. definitely changed a lot but he he wrote a lot of the background music there and, and i think i think one of you mentioned either when we first got on or maybe in our our email exchanges um the papillon day song oh, yeah yeah oh, that song is that to me Yep. And and that's really what he sort of he used that as the foundation for all the other music that he was going to write for that incredibly beautiful interventions loop behind the Yeah, waterfall. like if you don't think you know Papillon, I encourage you to google it because you know Papillon. Like Within it, 2 seconds you know it. Yeah. Sing it. Sing it. And it's not the dude. There's nothing to it's sing. The butterfly. I mean, it's just <laughs> but it's it's the it's Papillon to me and again like you need to pull it up to I, I I don't know that I could hum it for you right now but Papillon is Epcot like but it's on the Narada soundtrack that's what I'm saying like that's the first I, I don't know whether I heard it in Epcot first or whether I heard it on my 1990s Narada soundtrack like to me Papillon is like to me Papillon is like those late night hours like wandering out of I mean you know Promise is wandering out of Future World and Papillon is wandering out of I'm sorry Promise is wandering out of World Showcase, and Papillon is wandering out of Future, Future World, World with like the, you know, the lights in the in the sidewalk and. Yeah. It's the it's David. the unknown theme of Epcot. It like you yeah. don't know it, but when you hear you it, you're like, oh, oh, I, yeah. get it. I know oh, it. But like, what if about you're listening to this right now? Like Google the song, you know Papillon. What like, about, what about David Lance, behind the waterfall? Mm-hmm. That is also another like this could be the theme yeah. song of future world like it's it's that beautiful kind of mellow um uh 
it's it's weird because it's like mellow but at the same time it's energizing i don't know if that makes it's like inspirational kind of like it's so it's not mellow in the sense of like bring you down into a restful state as much as it's clear the mind make everything possible kind of a feeling that you get they i mean they both feel like that for me they sparkle like they you know like they like they sparkle it's a weird word to use but like it's a word i've been wanting to use but it has felt too weird during this conversation (laughs) just been waiting for a place to use that word (laughs) check the box (laughs) they do they 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 make me think of like the you know the the lit pavement as you're walking out of that pot like that's that's what did you do you know that was the song like the fiber optic lights in uh in the Paveway as you're walking. Simple pleasures. Like mm-hmm. Simple pleasures. Like that goes along with me for for the music we're talking about. Go ahead, Zach. That was the the, the Papillon song. Like that. That's like Elisa said. That is Future World. Mm-hmm. And before moving to Orlando, like whether my family would be working on like a Saturday in the garage or something like that, like we'd put on our Epcot music and it would put us in that Disney state of mind. And that was the quintessential track you know that would play and it'd just be like it's epcot it's it's home and it brings so much joy um like lou said it's it's the unknown theme to epcot you don't well, know and the I, name and i think it is I, I think it is sort of it very much embodies epcot especially in the 90s right it's that upbeat synthesizery sort of optimistic feel and it's long like it's almost an hour long um, the entire original loop, which is probably twice as long as most of the other loops you're going to find anywhere else in the park. Do you know he? You, do you, go ahead, wait. Well, I'll, I'll give you a quick. Did you know? Did you know? Yanni, Yanni's, Yanni's also in there. Do you, don't forget to mention Yanni standing standing in motion. in motion. Yes, yes, which he did. If you haven't seen or heard Yanni's live from the Acropolis performance, where he, where the big, the big bulb boom performance like the the, the the crescendo of the performance is this song is a version of this song you've got to you got to do it it's probably on youtube i'm sure but you need to see it anyway go ahead i'm sorry what were you gonna say my uh my stupid little um did you know fact was that how long do you think it took him to put this piece together are we talking about Darkenstone? Are we talking about? We're talking about Russell Brower. How did how did he? How long did it take him to put this entire piece together? Us. Five days. Well, you said it's an hour long, so at least he did it in five days. He put the whole thing together in five days. Um, Wow. And I think, I think. Well, when I say currently, again, we're talking November 2020. Epcot is in this transitional growth phase there is no interventions right now shedding shedding a silent tear uh, so what you would hear in that area now is uh different but i know at one point the original loop was cut down from about 60 minutes to like 25 or so minutes but i, I think that you're right i think in terms of it really capturing the essence of what Epcot Center was and and up until it went away is um, was very much within the the interventions loop and it is one of my favorite background music loops in of all of Walt Disney World in total. 
Would yeah, I mean to be sparkles? like to be like fully like emotional and forthcoming about like sort of the big picture from this whole conversation. Like, there's two tracks that in my life I ha- like. There have been moments where I can't even bear to listen to, and it's Papillon and Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. Like, there have been times in my life where like I have missed this place so much that I can't even bear to hear the music. Um, and when I talk about that, it's those two tracks. And like, that's the extent to which Papillon, which you may not even know that you know, is a huge part of this place. Um, and, 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 and that's to like, oh, we're going to talk about we're showcase on another time, but like I played reflections of earth around my 10 year old recently and he's, wept and made me turn it off because he can't take it. And like Papillon speaks to us both like at that level. Raising that boy right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's another conversation for another show. But like like Papillon is is ranks right up there, even though you don't know what it is probably. And and again it's it's that's so many of these songs you don't know by name but you need to go and find because when you hear it you're like oh how have i not had this on my spotify playlist or or whatever it might be before we leave the the interventions area and sort of tie future world up as as in as neat of a bow as we possibly can there are two things i think we have to mention one of which is the one attraction that was in um <laughs> that was in interventions and again i'm going to try and desperately not to sing, sing you see my sing friend it. the computer makes life oh sherman brothers god you're so good um in communicore east in 1982 uh the astuter compute opened it was hosted by ken jennings what was the what was ken jennings character's name it wasn't ken jennings that's why I'm a router for me computer. Everybody needs a friend. <laughs> when my work piles up and I'll see in red. Cause he I sang the computer song. And Ken Jennings was a, a Broadway actor. He was in um, Sweeney Todd and a number of other ones. And he sang this Sherman Brothers catchy little ditty, Lisa Donato Glasser, Stop Using Ask Jeeves. What no, 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 was... I'm pulling up the lyrics because there's, there's, there's a lyric I'm trying How do you not have them remembered? How do you have not have them memorized? I do. Like, I, I was listening to it earlier today. <laughs> What's... His name was Early the Pearly. Oh, I would never really have guessed that. But of course. Of course it was. Like from a pearly band? Like a pearly, like a, he, so he was literally like transported using Star Trek type technology from the UK pavilion, shrunk down in size, and he was our host and sang the computer song. And that's why I'm a router for me computer. Everybody needs a friend. You see, forget it. Sherman Brothers, it's everyone's a hit. Well, you'll so much early the pearly merchandise action figures, t shirts, <laughs> lunchbox, a thermos, koosh ball. <laughs> early the pearly. Um, I won't spend too much time because I've talked about my love of the Astuter computer review and IO and Julie. That's the lyric and, and, I'm trying to remember the Astuter line. What about the. Oh, well, you're, you're trying to remember. The Astuter line. That's that's what I'm Googling right now. I'm trying to remember the Astuter line. You're trying to just get me to sing it, and I'm not going to do it. 
So where where would be the appropriate time to bring up the Club Cool song? Is there a Club Cool song? Yeah, there was. I know there was. I know there was. How does it go? I'm not making this up. It's no. It's like it's like all synthes. It's like like heavy synthesizers and almost kind of rockish, and it's like it almost sounds like something from Tron. Jason, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you one thing. (laughs) Nothing is astuter than a computer when I need a helping hand. Let me explain. That's what I was trying to Google. They keep on top of accommodations, record and update reservations. See, this is another one I don't Coordinate like. telephone operations and help planning energy conservation. <laughs> this is magical. It's not, though. It's not. I good. swear I've dated and kissed a girl at least once in my life. <laughs> not in the 80s. Oh, I thought you'd be- clearly, to this song? To this song? <laughs> was this your makeout song? Yeah, his first date. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Let me put on a little something romantic for you. <laughs> you can choose Food Rocks or... Marvin Gaye, no. Luther Vandross, no. Oh, wait a minute. I have a Sherman Brothers ditty for you. When my work piles up and I'm seeing red because I got need five arms and an extra head, I find... Oh, I almost did it! Sounds like you're saying, like, when you're climbing up a ladder. Okay, listen. I have to get out of here. I've got to move on. Last, very last thing I want to touch on in Future World because it, too, had... Because it is now once again gone. May it rest in peace. The Fountain of Nations, uh, which was an opening day. It was. It was an attraction where every 15 minutes, the normal background music would fade out. And they had this incredibly beautiful music that was synced up to this dancing fountain. So think, you know, the front of the Bellagio type, you know, water show. That included James Horner. I love the James Horner Rocketeer music. Uh, It was beautiful. But Jason, your love of Yanni shall not go, you know, not mentioned, standing in motion was there um john tesh john tesh yeah, right like yeah, day one really by john great. john tesh was in uh what was it was it entertainment tonight entertainment yeah tonight. entertainment yeah. night uh there was also john debney's surprise in the skies the air so if you mm-hmm. remember the old uh, surprise in the sky show uh rescuers down under down under. i was gonna say the rescuers bruce down broughton down again Our bruce broughton. bruce broughton i really i should have done my homework and counted how many songs bruce broughton had um Bob Moline had and the Sherman Brothers had and see who sort of comes. I feel like Bruce Broughton might be winning this race. I'm telling you, there was a Club Cool song. I'm sure Are there you was. Still on this? I'm just, it's bugging me because I, I, I know there was. I just can't think of it. I just remember like There's another song by John McNeely who you probably don't know, but it's from Iron Will. Which is another beautiful piece. Not Mr. McFeely from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. This is Joel McNeely. Christy McNeely. No, stop it. And then the final one was Celebrate the Future Hand in Hand, which was added for the Millennium Millennium. Celebration in late fall um, 1999. And none of these played in Club Cool. Yeah. No, none of those were. I I don't remember. It was a Club Cool song. I'm going to find it. There was also, there was actually a Mickey Mouse song, too. 
A Fountain of Nations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was called like yeah, Mickey's, it was, um, around Mickey's the, finales. Around or, the world with Mickey or something yeah. like that. Around the... Yeah. yeah. You keep Googling. By the way, you should have done this Googling before the show, Jason. It would have made the flow a lot better. But I didn't think about some of these until you brought them up. But you had to bring the computer song. Anyway, there was a Mickey song. There was. Um, there wasn't. There was no Mickey, but there was a, a Mickey Mickey song. But in the in the fountain area, you're talking about. in the fountain area. Yeah. Um, but look, That's as we cool. as we start, and again, we'll, we'll touch on um, parades. World Showcase, um, some of the other music on uh, uh, another show. But when you think about the music of Future World, tell me what comes to mind. Is it an individual song? Is it a feeling? Like, how important is the music here, even comparing and contrasting verse from from other parks? So, uh, again, uh, I'll just go ladies in alphabetical order. So, Lisa, Zach, and Jason. So I'll just reiterate like my initial comment, which was that like when you sent me this email, I felt like this bizarre dichotomy of both the most prepared I've ever like off the cuff been for a show and the least prepared I've ever felt off the cuff for a show because like I had it all in me and like the ability to articulate it was like, I felt like not there because I, these are the songs that like I, that I hear and they're like a part of me, but I like couldn't hum them for the life of me if you called me out. So, um, and, 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 and I'm so eager for like the world showcase conversation because that's very different. Um, and so for me, like it's, it's walking into Epcot and it's walking out of Epcot and it's, it's, you know, it's that, that legends loop and Papillon and it's, it's that full innovations loop. Um, you know, it's it's not so much. It's none of the sing songy stuff. It's nothing with lyrics. It's you know, it's not Soren or Horizons or you know anything that's like a soundtrack to an attraction. Like to me, like what hits me the hardest is that music that I barely even know was there as I was walking into Future World and like you know leaving Epcot with a sleeping child in my arms, walking over the fiber optics late at night after Illuminations. Um, and the beauty of it is that like it it's so perfect and it's so subtle and it's so perfectly integrated into the experience like you don't even quite know you're experiencing it until you're called upon to have a conversation about it so that's what i like i think is so cool about this talk um but what was so like intimidated intimidating about trying to like have this conversation before we got on this call Zach? It's the best. And that, like Lisa said, walking in and walking out, it's like a breeze. It just kind of carries you into this state of mind that is Epcot, whether it's uplifting and inspiring, it causes you to think, it causes you to be uplifted. And then as you leave, it just kind of ushers you out. It's just like this warm, comforting it's, it's a friend. It's this, it's this very familiar thing that I find myself walking into the park and slipping right into a section of the music. And I just start whistling or humming along because it's familiar and it's kind and it's, it, it is Disney. It just, it, it is the ultimate sense of being home. Um, and then just again, you know, walking out at the end of the night and it's like, everything's going to be okay. And I 
dearly miss. Um, you know, we go on and all of those exit tracks, which were the best. I mean, you can't touch them. Um, there's nothing quite like Epcot music. It is just so incredibly special. Oh, well, <laughs> I feel like I, like Lisa said, I, I thought I was prepared for this, but there's Cle- so much. Clearly I, you were not. <laughs> I mean, I think, well, in the sense that you, you like emotionally, I'm so attached to it. I haven't, it's, it's so weird. It's like asking somebody, can you describe your love of chocolate? And like, I, you know, where do I begin? Epcot's music is, it's this odd, it's odd blend of nostalgia and expectation. It's this, um, mm. it's this, this fusing of, uh, something that's like so familiar that like, as Lisa said, it's in your bones. Like you just know it deeply, but at the same time, there's something fresh about it. Every time, every time you hear Papillon, it's, it's like, it's both the sound of, of your life and also the sound is like, it's new. It's refreshing. It's, it's, and I think that's what Epcot is all about. It's that's what's, that's what's crazy amazing about Epcot's music is that it, somehow all of this for better or for worse with some of the music we've talked about, it does encapsulate the um, I think the vision, the original vision for Epcot. Um, and uh, I don't know that there's another park that, that gives me the same emotional, um, that gives me the same emotional, uh, you know, positive, emotionally positive feeling kind of having having experienced it every time like every time so i i'm not sure and time will tell and conversations will dictate <clears throat> that there's another park where the music is as pronounced or as important as epcot so let's compare and contrast it versus magic kingdom which we've talked about already magic kingdom we know and can sing and are so intimately familiar with attraction theme songs whereas background music sort of fades right and and i think it's because the way the park is designed Ma- magic kingdom your your distances in between buildings and experiences are relatively short whereas in epcot center they are far more sprawling you have a much longer walk from universe of energy to the land pavilion than you do anywhere else in magic kingdom right it, it's it's because of the, of the size of the park which means that the background music is so much more prevalent too. It almost feels like it's louder, like it sort of it deadens the hum of conversation of people no matter how crowded the park might be. The music is always prevalent where I don't necessarily feel that way in Magic Kingdom. When it's crowded, it, you you don't hear it as much. Post-COVID, when the parks opened, we were very hyper-aware of the music because there was not that sort of deadening and deafening hum of the crowd. But I think music is such a critical part of the Epcot experience. And, you know, I think that Walt wanted to have his parks, right? We'll we'll say Disneyland and sort of, you know, by comparison, Magic Kingdom here, each of the lands sort of had a musical identity, right? Just like the films did. And by bringing in people like Bob Moline and the Sherman brothers 
and Baker and Exitensio and all these other people who had created songs for the films and then were able to bring this into Epcot Center. I think the music, you know, I I don't want to sort of overuse hyperbole, but, but it's sort of the music is the heart and soul of this park. And while you might not be able to rattle off names of individual tracks, they are ones you know and are incredibly familiar with. There's a level of comfort when you walk into Epcot, whether you hear Papillon and you know it by name or you hear some other background music, Jason, whether it be by Yanni or somebody else, there is something comforting about this park, which, you know, might on its face seem a little more cold than others because it's it's about technology. It's about the future. It's about you know, especially on the east side of Epcot, these harsh lines and mathematics and, and sciences. But it is. I think there's something incredibly warm about it. And part of the reason why I wanted to dig as deep as as we did and tell some of the stories behind the music, as it were, was to give you a better understanding and appreciation of not just how the songs came to be, but more importantly, the names of the people behind it, not just Sherman Brothers, but names maybe that you would not know and then the connection and the purpose and the meaning and the intent of having that music there. And then now the next time you go, or when you think back to your past experience, think about and, and be more cognizant of how much the music plays a role, consciously or otherwise, in your overall Epcot experience. Now I'm going to ask you the hardest question of all, and you had no idea it was coming. Give me your top three future world songs or scores. Because, again, scores are as important to Epcot as the songs are. Whereas I think Magic Kingdom, it's more about the songs than it is background music or even scores to an attraction. So I'll do reverse because it's not fair that that Lisa goes first every time and Jason has all that time to think. So Jason, (laughs) Zach, and Lisa, top three Favorite songs and or scores. You're going to have to combine the two. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say on the wings of the butterfly. It's got to be, that's the Papillon. It's got to be uh, on there, on the list for sure. I think, um, I was trying to decide it. I think one of them has to be a Spaceship Earth score. And I, I feel like that's like Sophie's choice. Can I just say both? They, no. The, uh, <laughs> you can. Well, then I... I think, I think Bruce. I think <laughs> it's I a hard. It, it's hard, I mean, isn't it's, it? It's hard. Yeah, it's hard because um, I love them. I really do love them both. And um, so I'm gonna. Uh, so forget Spaceship Earth. I'm just gonna go with the original Soren as a score. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so what are my food groups? I'm picking <laughs> picking uh, score. Damn. What are the? Can I just pick anything else that I want? Anything you like? Anything. Well, then I'm just going to steal your top one. I'm going to go with one little spark. It's hard not to. I mean, it's hard not to put one little spark in the the top three. You have to put it in the top three. It's it. it, I mean, if you if you could only have one song left, if if the choice was okay, you can only have one. We're gonna we're gonna change all the music, and you can only have one song left. That's the one you have to keep. Jason, let me just give you long before. The old Model T, roundabout the turn of the century. No, it's not doing anything for you. 
Let's do it. Zach Brown, top three. So Papillon, I feel like it's just going to be this, you know, it's a sticky. It's at the top, you know. Um, Soren, the original, because it's so sweeping and good. Um, but for the throwback, I really love New Horizons. Just the synthy lead doing the the melody is it's just classic. It's 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 Epcot. Lisa Zero Glasner. So this question and like this whole conversation has been so interesting, right? Because it's like, I think back to like hearing the story of like when Exitensio wrote the script for the song for Pirates. And he was like, well, there's too much going on. There's too much script. There's too much. And Walt was like, no, no, it's a rewritability factor. It's, you know, it's, it, there, there's something so like literal and like vacation-y about the Magic Kingdom experience. And as a local, I think that's highlighted because there's so much that's sort of like comforting and local and present about the Epcot experience. And that's like why I talk so much about sort of popping by Epcot as a local, as sort of my like epitome of being here. Um, And like that flows into the music conversation. And so like while when I think about the music at Magic Kingdom, I think about Grim Grinning Ghosts and Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho and, you know, and Carousel Progress and like lyrics. You know, when I think about Epcot, I think about this sort of like more subtle sort of background music that just sort of makes me present quietly in the space. Um, and so that's what's so like cool about this conversation for me and this question. Um, and yeah, I mean, my, my number one is Peppy, like without question. Wow. It just is. Um, you know, hey, and, quick and aside, I think when people first heard, if you were to ask somebody before this show, what are your top three Epcot songs? Not a lot of people would have bet that all three of you would have put a probably relatively unknown by name song, Papillon, you all said it first. Pull it up on your YouTube or wherever you can pull it up. Like if you're listening to this show, Google Papillon right now. When you're done listening, me. let them keep listening but first. I, <laughs> stop, don't stop. Yeah, you know, and, and, and and needless to say, like we haven't had a world showcase world showcase discussion yet, and like, you know, Illuminations is is, is my heart and soul. Um, but but in this conversation, like, you know, Papillon without question without question is is just the embodiment of future world to me um and aside from that um you know i would put, I would put soren because like i said it's you know it is you know as as iconic as you know for down for me as you know the song of disney um and you know even though it's not quite fair because it's technically world showcase um i will put the instrumental golden dream um you know as as my third um you know with please respect that you know choice and and know that like when i returned to Epcot at the reopening you know golden dream is what was playing at the gates in instrumental um and so it's very close to my heart right now if i just want to throw this out there for those of you when you're finished listening to the podcast head to itunes or amazon music wherever you have your music look for the cd called uh narada decade do yourself a favor Look for Narada Decade. It's got it's got all like a lot of these songs we've talked about on there is and plus all sorts of other fantastic music. And you will you will say, Yeah, Papillon is that's that's it. That's my top song too. It's like it's I guess I have to answer this as well, don't I? Yeah. 
only fair. Say Papillon. Let me just say this. Veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. <laughs> just an ordinary day. All at once, you're on your way to a place that cannot be. No one knows what turns the key. Magic journeys, magic journeys. <laughs> it is that is the. Uh, it is so not how the song goes. This is really hard. This is a really hard question. Um, you know, and as we were talking, this is a good song. Number one. as good we song. were talking about this, I said, "Oh God, how did I not even talk about literally the opening Epcot theme song, which was we 'We've Just Begun to Dream,' which was that that entrance plaza music, which yeah. has the handprint of of both Marty Sklar and the voice of Jack Wagner in it. Um, that 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 thumping sort of rhythmic beat that sort of gets you excited to to start your day." I'm I'm struggling between the songs and the scores, between the the Sherman the Shermans and and the Molines. Um, I think one little spark has to be there. I, I think tomorrow's child has to be there, and maybe I'm showing my nostalgic affinity for the parks when they opened. I sort of want to throw the computer song in there just for giggles, but it's just, yes, come on. That maybe that, that I guess I can cheat a little bit because if I put the Epcot entrance music loop in there, Oh, that has all the medley. It, it, it has, but it is, it is count. sort of a, it's sort of a best of the best of the afraid to choose. I am afraid to choose because it has golden dreams and it has Ellen's and it's got, you know, the later version has horizons. Look, I would love to put horizons in there too. Um, so it is, it's a, it's a, it's a super, super difficult choice because do we base it on the way a song makes you feel? Is it memories of going as a kid with your dad for the first time to Epcot center is it just yes. because you love yes. the boogie woogie bakery boy of the kitchen cabaret medley? Whatever, there's no wrong answer to this. Unless maybe you say the kitchen cabaret medley. There is no wrong answer, and that's the beauty of it, is is that there is so much. That's why we've talked as long as we had just about future world. So I, we want to know from you what is your favorite epcot center song or score or give me your top three you can either call the voicemail i will play your answer on the air call 407-900-9391 but yet i will pose this question on our group in facebook it is the ww radio clubhouse where everyone is a friend and everyone is welcome just go to wdwradio.com slash community it'll give you a link right there um would love to hear what you have to say and then see if that answer changes when we go over to World Showcase, the parades, and the nighttime spectaculars. And there's literally, they are, I didn't say you guys are coming back for it. I just says I'm going to talk. <laughs> um, but thankfully, this is why I said, you know what? I sent an email not long before we recorded. I said, you know, I think we should just probably stick to Future World tonight. And, yeah. you know. Uh, uh, two and a half hours later, here yeah. we are. But um, we had a lot to cover. But after you're done 
listening to Papillon and rating and reviewing the show and sharing this and telling and inviting a friend to listen and sharing your thoughts about your favorite Epcot music. I would love for you, my friend, to go and visit my friends, Lisa, Zach, and Jason. Please, not in two and a half hours, tell people where they can find you and why. In my order. <laughs> Lisa, Zach, and Jason. Always ladies first. My mom and dad raised me right. You can find me on the blog at thecastlerun.com. I'm also on Instagram at thecastlerunner. Um, and you can find my candle collection at carmemorycandles.com. Uh, you can find the Zach Brown Show over on Spotify, iTunes, and really wherever else you download your podcast. You just hear about different people's stories, share their passions, and find the commonality in, uh, in all of us, making the world that much smaller and a little more friendly. And you can find me, Jason, at Here With The Magic and all the usual spots, herewiththemagic.com, where I am sharing videos of quiet moments of joy featuring some of the music we've talked about <laughs> today, um, as well as on Facebook, Here With The Magic, and on Instagram, Here With The Magic. And um, I, I'm looking forward to the Pepion candle, frankly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it doesn't exist yet. Stay hint, tuned. Hint, hint. I uh, I am looking forward to, you know, I'm looking, I'm more than ever, I'm looking forward to going back. In a, all right, last question. If you could just snap your fingers and sit with your eyes closed somewhere in Epcot and just listen to the background music, where would you go? Quick. Lisa, Zach, and Jason. Living with the land. Zach. No question. I'll sit on the same bench as Lisa. That's weird. Jason. Awkward. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit in the original Soren, of course. Love it. As long and as we're this, sticking the future world. And then we'll go eat after. What about you, Lou? Yeah. Oh. Quick. Does it have future to world. be... Well, <laughs> I'm asking questions about... Why am I asking you questions about my own game? Like, does it have to be current or could it be any time in Epcot's history? I went to Old Sword. It has to be in Future World. He yeah. always establishes the rules after yeah, we've gone. Well, because I thought of it. can't go to Katsura Grill. <laughs> you can move Katsura Grill to the Fountain of Nation. I would probably sit you know, right in the center and just listen to the background music and then wishing that Fountain of Nations would still there watch that little 15-minute performance. With the Yanni playing. With Yanni. I will say the hardest pictures I've seen in a long time were the pictures of Fountain of Nations being taken down. Like, that was was rough. Veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. Veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. I'm ready to go to Mexico. I simply have to tell you that my friends who are singing are delectable. Mules are divine as long as you can dine with fruits and vegetables. He <laughs> needs help. They're good for you, everyone, to make your meals a lot of fun. They're like a carnival. It's nice to be with fruits and vegetables. Like you. I see Lou working in like the produce section of public <laughs> singing to some of the people as they buy their vegetables. Veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. Veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. I think this is clear. When you need a helping hand.
it's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, hear, remember, or even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I wanted to challenge you just a little bit more and ask you to put your thinking caps on and tell me all of the locations in Walt Disney World where guests like you and me could actually ride in or on a train. And to be clear, I didn't mean anything that was a series of connected cars like a roller coaster, but something that was an actual locomotive or designed to look like a train or have the word train in the title. Again, very much subject to interpretation, but really, as every week, just in a matter of fun. But the answer that I was looking for was... Seven. The answer I was looking for was seven. And the ones I was looking for was in Magic Kingdom, the Walt Disney World Railroad, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, Disney's Animal Kingdom has Expedition Everest, and the Wildlife Express Train, and at Disney Springs, don't forget there's also the little Marketplace train ride. Now a few of you, creative, nostalgic, also mentioned the Fort Wilderness Train, which is now closed, and while some of you did mention the Germany Pavilion, you can't necessarily ride it, but it is cute nonetheless. It doesn't matter if you included those, didn't include those, got anywhere remotely close to the seven I was looking for. I considered your answer to be correct, but I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one. And again, last week you were playing for all of my digital products, which is my 102 ways to save money for an at Walt Disney World book, as well as my seven virtual audio walking tours of Magic Kingdoms, he secrets, history, details, and stories, which, by the way, you can still get at www.radio.com, and a brand new, not available in stores, WW Radio Cobalt Blue Mug. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Kate Caffrey from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Kate, congratulations. Thank you. I have your shipping ad- address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. This week, I'm going to take you over to Disney's Hollywood slash Disney MGM Studios and back in time a little bit because I want you to tell me what show previously occupied the space where Voyage of the Little Mermaid, for now, is currently performed. Tell me what was in the space right before Voyage of the Little Mermaid premiered at the Disney MGM slash Hollywood Studios. You have until Sunday, November 22nd to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the online form there, and this week you'll be playing for a brand new signed copy of my Disney Interviews book. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Please don't forget to be part of the community and conversation by joining our fun, family-friendly, and of course, completely free Facebook group at www.radio.com slash community. There you'll find out some of the other ways you can be part of the community, including our running team and the WW Radio Nation. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the Nation family I appreciate your love and support and friendship and help. And I also love being able to give back to you each and every month. So I want to thank Michael Wilson, 
Charles Fastener, Janet Safier, Matt Mills, long, long-time friend James Desern, and Kenneth Johnson. If you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, trivia quests, we have a private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, backpacks, t-shirts, care packages every month from Walt Disney World, exclusive live video group calls, and lots more. Visit www.radio.com. It's completely optional. Starts at as little as a dollar a month. But it's not only a great way for you to help show your support for the show, but don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contributions do go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Again, just go to www.radio.com slash support to learn more. I'd love to hear from you, so let's stay connected on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Also, don't forget to like the WW Radio page at facebook.com slash Radio. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail be heard on the air with a question, a comment, or just a hello from the parks at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Obviously, right now, Meets of the Month are unfortunately still on hold, but stay tuned. I am working on something that I'm going to announce coming up in the relatively near future, so definitely stay tuned to the show and social. And if there's any way that I can help you turn what you love into what you do and your passion into your profession with one-on-one mentoring, small group coaching, I still have one spot left for our Tuesday night weekly mastermind group, as well as a variety of custom virtual presentations to your business, your conference, your event, or your school. To find out more, visit loumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, my official and recommended travel provider. Hopefully, you are getting ready for your first or your next visit to Walt Disney World. If so, reach out to mousefantravel.com for a no-obligation, free quote, all available discounts, all coming at no cost to you. Mouse Fan Travel is the one and only travel agency that I recommend because it's who I've used for more than a decade. It's who I love, and most importantly, it's who I trust. Again, visit them at mousefantravel.com and tell them you heard about them on the show. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share a link on Facebook, on your profile, or your favorite Disney group. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds. It's so important for you to please help rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts. I want to thank some reviewers like So Disney with lots of ease, who says it's outstanding. I've been enjoying the show for years. Constantly entertaining. So well done. Lou is an excellent host and interviewer. We're big Disney fans. The show always delivers. Thank you, Lou and company. And laughing all the way says, it's a diamond in the rough. It's the best discovery I've made in years. I look forward to each and every episode full of humor, fun, and great Disney facts. Losing inspiration to follow your dreams. And the podcast radiates the happiness he feels for all things Disney. WW Radio is an amazing source for history, travel tips, and food. Oh, the food. Laughing all the way. So, Disney, thank you very much. Again, just search for WW Radio in Apple Podcasts, or if you go to www.radio.com slash iTunes, it'll give you a link directly there. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you and your friendship and support, not just for the show, but everybody who has reached out about the new book and left a review over on, on Amazon. Again, that's incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. None of this could happen without you. And if there's some way that I can repay you, help you, 
thank you. Please let me know. But in the meantime, I hope that this show continues to just make you and your day happier, inspire you to be better and to look for and to choose the good and be the good in everything that you do. And don't ever, ever be afraid to be optimistic, to be passionate, to be positive, and just be whoever and whatever you want to be. A very wise woman once said, your identity is your most valuable possession. Protect it. Again, that was Elastigirl from The Incredibles, but I think that you could take that and apply that to you and your daily life. And I really do hope that this is your best week ever. I love and appreciate you, and I miss seeing you in person. So until next time, see ya. Hello, Lou Montello. It's Gabby Naldo calling from Columbia, Maryland. Just calling to say hello and how excited I am. Joe and I will be heading back down to Orlando this coming Tuesday. I'm so, so excited after having such a great experience um, in September. It was our first trip back um, since the pandemic began. And um, we were originally supposed to be down for Wine and Dine Half Marathon Weekend and ended up being a shorter trip. And now it's actually morphed into a much longer trip involving a three-resort stay. Um, we're meeting up with different groups of people. And I'm really hoping to see some of the WDW Radio Running Team members. Um, but, yeah, we're super excited. And... I guess we'll see you real soon, hopefully. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Chris Marquardt calling from Wausau, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm calling on November 5th. It's my birthday today. I am raking leaves in our warm Wisconsin Indian summer and listening to your latest podcast about relaxing places at Walt Disney World. Um, I'm actually supposed to be there right now. I had a trip planned with my wife and my son and my parents to go for my birthday and for my parents' anniversary, which is coming up next week. Unfortunately, some sort of global pandemic had other plans, so we're putting that off for a while. But even so, I thought back to my last trip there just this past February. I was there for nine days with my wife and thinking, well, the places where you and Tim mentioned, did we check any of those out as far as relaxing? No. But I realized as listening that you can relax anywhere in Walt Disney World as long as you're with family and people you enjoy being with. Um, I think back to my trip in February, which was nine days of my wife and I just taking it easy, not hyper-planning our schedules. We got our fast passes. We got our reservations. But everything else, we just decided to do what we wanted, when we wanted, and it was the best trip I ever had. Um, if you're looking at things that were relaxing anyway, I can think of three things that come to mind. There's a little walkway in the Magic Kingdom between the Mad Deep Party and on the way to Tomorrowland, there's a short little half wall there in between where my wife and I just stood and and uh, ate Dole Whips and watched the people walk by. And it was just nice to stand there as it was getting dark out and all the lights of Tomorrowland were coming up. And that was a great relaxing place. Another one was the... Savannah Overlook at Kadani Village. We were waiting for lunch at Sanaa. And, yeah, there's not a lot of shade there. But just to be able to go out and stand there and watch the animals, and it's like you're in a whole another place, and it just takes you away and just instantly really relaxes you. Um, that's one that we really liked. And, finally, one of the unexpected ones that I really enjoyed was the Skyliner. 
sometimes you don't need to relax for a half hour or an hour, even just a five or ten minute ride, just quietly sailing through the air, watching everything happen below you and just taking in the whole world. That's relaxing enough in itself. So those are my choices. Uh, thanks for everything you do, Lou. I've discovered your podcast over the last couple of years, and it has made my visits to Disney World uh, a whole lot richer and a whole lot more entertaining. Thanks for everything, and um, see you real soon. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. I'm calling about uh, your recent podcast and the music that people uh, like and appreciate from uh, Epcot. And our favorite is... The loop that plays uh, over by the electric umbrella. And uh, we're really hoping that it stays even as they revamp and reimagine the parks. We really like that song. It's, you know, really resonates with us and we listen to it at home when we can't be in the parks. Mm-hmm. 